Mark chapter 13, verse 32. And I want to preach on the second coming of Jesus Christ today. I want to preach about Jesus and His return. Mark chapter 13, verse 32, it reads this. It says, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. I want to preach a message entitled, Heaven's Best Kept Secret. Did, did you get that? Did you get this saying, but of that day, the hour that no one knows, not even the angels, not even the Son, Jesus Himself knows, but only the Father. I mean, can you imagine what's going on up in heaven? Jesus, everyone's talking, the angels, when is it? Is it now? Is it now? When, when's going to happen? No one knows. This is heaven's best kept secret. And so number one, if you're making note, write it down. Are you ready? Are you ready? For the second coming of Jesus Christ. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready for that hour? Because no one knows, not the angels, not Jesus, only the Father. And this is heaven's best kept secret. Are you ready? Beanley congregation, are you ready? Throughout the whole Bible, listen, everything is centered around Jesus Christ. If you think about this, from Genesis to Malachi, He is coming. They were prophesying about His coming. From Matthew to Acts chapter 1, he's talking about this is it. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is here. So number one, He is coming. Number two, He is here. And from Acts chapter 1, verse 11 through to Revelations, he's talking about He's coming back again. I mean, the whole Bible scripture is talking about His coming. He's coming back. It centers on Jesus Christ. I think about this, Jesus coming back. I, I think about, man, Arnold Schwarzenegger must have read John chapter 14, verse 1. He must have used it in Terminator. I'm telling you, listen to what Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to heaven. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll be back. No, no, that's what he says. I will come again. Jesus is saying, oh, that was a, that was a worst trans yeah, accent ever. If anyone could do that, oh, no, I won't even try. Anyway. I'll come back again and receive you. Jesus is coming back to receive you to myself. Jesus' first coming was for the sinner. He came to die on the cross for the sinner. The second coming, Jesus Christ is coming for the saints. Amen. He's coming back for his church. Are you ready? Jesus is coming back for his church. And I want you to understand the importance, right? The frequency of how many times throughout the Bible uh, is talked about his second coming. I mean, think about this for a second. If the importance of a Bible subject can be judged by the frequency of reference to it, then the second coming of Christ is indeed a subject of primary importance. I'll say that again. If the importance of a subject, a Bible subject, right? If it can be judged by the frequency, how many times it references to the second coming, indeed, it's a subject of primary importance. So we as believers need to understand Whatever's been said in the Bible, how many times it's said, it's important to us. And Christ's coming, listen, is mentioned more than 300 times in the New Testament. That means it is mentioned on the average of once in every 25 verses. In Paul's epistles, in these letters that the Apostle Paul was writing, listen, there are more than 50 references to the second coming. This is astounding. It's been said that there are eight times 
more verses concerning the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ than there are of his first coming. I mean, the scriptures are saying there's more to his second coming. uh, The whole books, listen, the whole books are dedicated, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Revelations. There's whole chapters about his second coming, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 25, Mark chapter 13. Quickly write those notes down. (laughs) Luke chapter 21. These are devoted to this subject of Jesus Christ coming back again. Jesus often himself referred to his coming again and urged his followers. He urged us as believers to watch and be ready for us as believers to stand on God. Listen, in fact, about 50 times, right, in the New Testament, believers are urged to be ready for the Lord to come again. Are you ready? Are you ready for his coming? And so the frequency, the amount of times the Bible has mentioned for his coming. I want to say all this. You know what? God is urging us. Be ready. Be ready. He's coming back. He said he's coming back. It means he will be back. Secondly, if you're taking note, let's talk about the signs. Let's talk about the signs because, again, in our text, it says no one knows the day. No one knows the hour. This is heaven's best kept secret. And Jesus, his disciples, ask Christ in Matthew chapter 24, verses 3 through to 8. Listen to this conversation that's happening with his disciples. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, talking about Jesus, the disciples came to him privately, came to Jesus privately, saying, tell us, when will these things be? And when and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of this age? Verse 4 says, And Jesus answered to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars. Listen to this. You will hear of wars. See that you are not troubled. I mean, every believer, if you're a born-again Christian, if you're abiding in Christ, Don't be troubled by what's happening right now in this earth. Don't be troubled by what's happening because it's supposed to happen because Jesus is coming back again. We ought not to be troubled, Jesus is saying. For the Christian, we ought to be watchful, eagerly waiting, living in a way that pleases God. That's why Jesus says to his disciples, don't be troubled. For all these things must come to pass. The following verse in verse 7 These are the signs, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You see, it's describing exactly what is happening today, nation against nations. You turn on the news, you see there's wars, you see there's rumors of wars, there's famines, it's ongoing. Pestilence, I mean, coronavirus, can we not look any further? Pestilence throughout the whole world. The national earthquake, right? Get this. The information center locates, on average, 50 earthquakes every single day. And so here is Jesus is saying earthquakes will be in various places. And there are more than 50 earthquakes every day. There are about 20,000 earthquakes every single year. Church, we're living in the last days. Church, we're living in a time where Jesus Christ can come back right now. Jesus Christ can come back right now. And I want to tell you, I felt stirred in my spirit to say to the church, it's time to wake up and look around. 
I was preaching this to the men yesterday. The times of men becoming lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, is actually found in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen to this verse. So 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through to 5. Listen to this. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. I mean, this is a generation where people just adore themselves. Selfie sticks, selfie, selfie. It goes on, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. I mean, this is talking about sinners, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He's talking about sinners. But then in verse 5, he's talking about the saint having a form of godliness but denying its power. I mean, in the last days, there's going to be Christians, right, who have the outward appearance. They, they can say all the talk. They can quote scripture. They can say everything. But inside, there ain't no power. Yeah. And so Jesus, uh, Timothy, writes here. Paul's writing to Timothy saying, listen, this is, these are the signs that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There's going to be Christians who are 50-50. Oh, come on now, they ain't going 100% for God. They're living like the world, one foot in the world, one foot in church. Come on, the church ought to wake up. He's coming back. These are the signs, church. Believers must need to awake to the signs around us. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I'm telling you, people who are Christians, people who were once walking with God are now giving into these doctrines of demons. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to be giving you lots of scripture this morning. Listen to this. But concerning the times, again, and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Oh, come on, someone, that's, that's telling us that we have no idea when it's going to come, when God's going to come back, when Jesus is going to come. We have no idea the day or the hour. And right here it says he shall come as a thief in the night. Verse 3 says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. It's saying these are the signs. These are the signs. You know when a pregnant lady gets, uh, you know what, is able to give birth, these signs, these pains, is telling us, look around us. The, the labor pains are happening in this world, that this world is ready for Christ to return. But when the Father in heaven, when is he going to give that final authority? When is he going to give the green light? Jesus, he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come back when no one is expecting him to return. And these are the times people are living in complete ignorance that Jesus is going to come back. They're living their lives like, you know what, they've got all, all their lives to live ahead. I was that person. I was that young boy. I lived the life of sin. I, I didn't want, you know what, Jesus come back. I didn't, uh, if I, he was to come back, man, I was scared to death. I was like, man, God, don't come back yet. My brother became a Christian before me. He was telling me about Jesus coming back. I'm just like, oh, please forget it. But I'm like, ooh, make sure, man, Lord, wait, please wait, Lord, please. <laughs> just, another, just another Saturday with the boys. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> and it's like, you know what? Oh, I'm telling you, we live in ignorance. It's time for people, even sinners, to awake around them and see, man, we're living in the last days. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Knowing this, that scoffers will come in the last days. These are scoffers are people who are mockers. Right? 
these are people who laugh at the fact that, whoa, you Christians believe in that? Yes, well, guess what? We can laugh back at them and say, yep, you're actually fulfilling scripture. <laughs> yeah, you laugh at me, you're fulfilling the scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, by which the world then existed, perished being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Skip to verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief of the night, in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burnt up. These are the signs. These are it was the signs as to what is to come. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Listen, these are the signs, but I want to talk about our attitude as believers. I want to talk about, are we to fear the second coming? Are we to fear the wrath to come? Throughout scripture, let me set you free today. Jesus says to his disciples and for us as believers that we should not be troubled. Nor even be afraid of the wrath of God. I'm telling you, this is the all in throughout scripture. It repeats itself. Verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are the sons of light and the sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, of, uh, let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of, and love, and as the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together. I'm telling you, believer, you don't have to worry or you don't have to be troubled for the wrath of God. It says it right there. God did not appoint us for wrath. This is talking about those who are the sons of the Most High, those who are born again, those who are filled with His Spirit. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1. This is the attitude of the believer. Are we to fear? Are we to be afraid? Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and our gathering to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as is from us, as though the day of Christ had come. He's saying, don't have to be shaken by fear. Don't have to be troubled. If you're saved, you should be eagerly waiting and in rejoicing for His coming. Here again, it's confirming every believer who's living righteously. Every believer, every son, every daughter, the light of day, not to be troubled, not to be shaken, not to be living in fear, the fear of God, not to be living in the, with the wrath of God. The writer in 1 Thessalonians, in verse 8, but let us who are of the day be sober. He's talking about the Christians putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of hope of salvation. It's talking about those who are fighting the good faith, the fight to stay pure, the fight to stay holy. Those are the people right there. He's talking about we put on the armor. I love verse 9 of the text. For God did not appoint wrath. He's talking about those who are saved. Hallelujah. He's talking about, you know what? We don't have to fear the wrath of God. Because Jesus who died for us, we can live with Him. But for the sinner, 
Listen, judgment is coming for your soul. Jesus in Matthew chapter 10 teaches the fear of God. He says to the sinner, uh, he's talking about this in verse, chapter, uh, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. For the sinner, you got to be so afraid of the wrath of God that you know what? One day you're going to stand before him. That one day Jesus is going to come back. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once. Then comes judgment. And so for the saint, he doesn't have to fear. He doesn't have to be troubled because he skipped to verse 32. Jesus says, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, so will I also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Again, the believer, we don't have to fear God. We don't have to fear the wrath because Jesus died and delivered us from this wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven who raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, that should set every believer free. That should set us free. Are you ready if Jesus was to come back today? If you're ready, you wouldn't have to be troubled. If you're not ready, you're living with unrepented sin. If you're not ready, you're living with sin hidden deep inside your heart. You're afraid that God is to come back today and take the church and you'd be left behind. But for the sinner, I'm telling you, there is great rejoicing in awaiting that eager coming of Christ. There is no fear. There is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, as we wait upon the Lord, He's coming back. So third point, let's talk about the rapture of the church and the motivation for practical living. Because as we uh, are waiting for the Christ, for His return, it should motivate us for practical living. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who are believers are looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. There is no fear or trembling. But only for the sinner, there is great fear because of the wrath is to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord so therefore, comfort one another with these words. That should give every believer this peace that no matter what is happening in this world, we should comfort one another that, you know what, one day is coming. That day is coming. The hour is coming that we will meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's coming back. Listen to this. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. When he comes back, we shall not meet death. In a moment, listen to this, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye. Bang, just like that, at the sound of the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, the dead will ri be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible. He's saying this earthly body that we have must put on a heavenly body. I'm telling you, you're going to get your six no, your six pack. <laughs> But it's telling you, our bodies will be changed just in an instant. We will put off this mortal body and put on immortality, the Bible is saying. We will meet 
Jesus Christ in the air. And I'm talking about the second coming of Jesus. There's so much scripture that I'd love to give, but due to time, I want to talk about right now the, the hope. This hope of the second coming should provide you and I. It should provide this motivation for this practical Christian living. So I'm going to give you five points very quickly. Number one, it should provide us this living to show brotherly love towards one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all His saints. We ought to pursue unity within each other, with each other. That when Jesus Christ comes back, we ought to increase, abound in this love for one another. Number two, for holiness. Should provide this motivation. If Jesus is coming back, it provide us this motivation to live as holy as God is holy. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 says this, And do this knowing the time that, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Cast off works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its flesh. Listen, it should motivate us to be awakened, to live holy. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. Did you get that? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number three, should motivate us to meet together for worship. Verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another as so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, the times that we're living in now should cause us to run to the church. The times that we're living in now should cause us to run and be a part of this congregation because Jesus is coming back. Let us not forsake the assembling of the saints together. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through to 4, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but by willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Be an example to the flock. It's talking about let us continue to meet together to be an example. Number four, motivate us in Christian service. Second Timothy chapter four, verses one through to two. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will Judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. He's saying you got to be ready in and out of season. 
You got to be ready for Christ to return. You got to be ready when Jesus returns. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, number five, and I close with this, for a continued passion for souls. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. This should be the burden for every believer, the burden for every soul, a continued passion, a burning desire for souls. Listen to First, first Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through to 20. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For you are our glory and our joy. He's talking about this passion for souls. The people who are out there who are not saved, people who are out there that do not know Christ. We as believers should be having a burning desire to see our loved ones saved, to see our mothers and fathers saved. For this saying right here, for you are our glory and joy. This is emphasis on souls. And so as we keep in mind that His second coming will be here soon. We never know when He's coming back. But look around to the times and see we are living in the last days. It should motivate us to have a passion for souls. Amen. Every head bowed. Every